Welcome everyone to Be Better Betters. I'm the host, Spanky. Thanks for listening. My guest this week has been in the business for 10 years. He sharpened his skills working at the stations, starting as a ticket writer before becoming a line supervisor. His current role and most prominent role is a sportsbook operations manager at Circus Sports. Please welcome my man, Jeff Benson. Jeff, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me on, Spanky. Uh, certainly looking forward to talking all things Circus Sports and, uh, you know, obviously where the uh, where the industry is at right now and, uh, you know, certainly where it's going. And, uh, yeah, appreciate you having me on today. Awesome. Pleasure's all mine, my friend. So, Jeff... Let's start off with how life was growing up. Yeah, I think for me, it was probably, you know, maybe a little bit different, um, you know, than a lot of the other guys that you have on the pod. Um, I grew up um, back east uh, in northern Virginia, kind of, you know, maybe a little bit more sheltered uh, lifestyle growing up. Um just because my parents weren't into the gambling scene. Um, you know, my dad wasn't taking me to the racetrack, uh, on the weekends, you know, we weren't playing cards on Friday night. Um, and we certainly weren't gambling on sports. So probably took me a little bit longer, um, to kind of work my way into that. Um, than maybe some of the other people, um, you know, in the industry. Um, but for me, obviously, uh, I played sports growing up. Uh, you know, I was big into soccer, basketball, um, and then, you know, when I got into high school, continue to play sports through high school. Um, uh, but obviously I loved following sports, uh, you know, whether that was the data, the number side of things, watching games, following the statistics, things like that. Always been a big, big sports fan, uh, my whole life, uh, both watching and playing. Um, and so, you know, in high school, as I kind of, um, you know, got familiar, uh, or more familiar a little bit with the gambling, um, and the betting side of things, you know, I, uh, you know, just kind of with my love of sports, it was certainly something that was, uh, something that interests me. Um, obviously, you know, had a bookie, um, you know, had a bookie and some, you know, credit shops and PPHs through college and things like that. Um, but for me, obviously when I graduated, uh, in 2012, uh, you know, this was obviously way before PASPA and things like that. Um, so at that point, it really certainly made sense for me to kind of come out here and, you know, pursue a career in the industry. But for me growing up, like I said, I didn't have a huge background given that my dad, uh, you know, wasn't into that kind of stuff. Um, but for me, it's just always been a love of sports, a love of numbers. Um, and that was kind of growing up um, once I got into high school, kind of marrying the two of those things uh, was certainly uh, how my interest in gambling started. I love it. That sounds so great. Pretty, you know, even though you say it's not that typical, even though you didn't start gambling early on, usually the love of sports and then finding that bookie um, is, is something that we've all been through. So that's that's a great thing. Um, with respect to when you started, you went to college, how was, uh, how was it life? You know, was, was there a lot of college bookmakers back then? This is kind of the start of the per head area. We're talking about 2008, 2009. Um, were there a lot of college bookmakers back then? Was it easy to find the bookmaker? Yeah. You know, I, uh, I had some friends who I connected with in college and, you know, uh, it was maybe less time in the classroom than, you know, my parents would have liked, but, you know, I was in college for five years, you know, a lot of days it was, uh, you know, waking up and, you know, handicapping games and, you know, playing poker at night. 
um, and, you know, intramural sports and things like that. Um, and maybe, like I said, a little bit less uh, work, uh, you know, focus on the classwork uh, than I should have. Um, but for me, yeah, it was, uh, it was easy to have, you know, some uh, credit outs and some PPHs and some local bookies and things like that. And I would say that was really my first kind of, you know, introduction to the gambling world and, you know, being able to bet on credit is, uh, you know, obviously, as you know, certainly a nice thing. Um, but obviously this was way before, you know, PASPA was repealed and, you know, the legalization of gambling, uh, was, you know, talked about, um, at all in America. So really at that point, it was just kind of Vegas or nothing, um, in terms of, you know, working in the industry within the United States. Um, so for me, once I graduated school, uh, at 22, um, in 2012, um, I came out to, you know, spent the summer, uh, you know, kind of finalizing everything, um, you know, packing up uh, all my stuff uh, and then drove across country with my dad uh, at 22 with no job, um, you know, to Vegas. Uh, you know, I was able to get an apartment um, and kind of settle down into things. Um, and I was able to bet for, you know, probably three to six months um, and then wanted to get into the industry to learn more about things um, from behind the counter. Um, and I thought that could certainly help my betting as well. So, uh, I was able to ultimately get a job uh, as a entry level ticket writer um, at 22. Um, and that's really kind of how I got started um, in the regulated market uh, here in the United States. All right. So, but before you start getting a job, let's talk about that decision because I always find it fascinating how people say, you know, what, I'm going to start a career in Las Vegas. And for Pops to be able to take you on that journey with you. Um, was the family fully supportive of the idea? Like, all right, you know, my son's going to move out to Vegas and he's going to try to pursue a career in the industry and in gambling or some sort of a casino business. Um, was it always focused on sports betting? Like, what was the mind? Take me back into that mindset and uh, and how the family reacted. What made you make that decision from the start? Yeah, I, I certainly don't think they were uh, supportive uh, from the jump. Um, obviously, you know, I, my dad's a lawyer, uh, you know, where I grew up, it's, you know, more common for, for people to become doctors and, and lawyers, uh, and, you know, be in the stock market and things like that. Um, and be, you know, telling your friends, uh, you know, that your son, uh, went to Vegas to pursue <laughs> a career in, in, in gambling, um, certainly wasn't, uh, you know, what they were hoping for. <laughs> um, originally, uh, obviously now they're, uh, you know, happy with the direction I took and, you know, pretty proud of where I'm at now. Um, but yeah, it was, you know, for my 21st birthday, my dad brought me out here. Um, you know, even before I thought about moving out here and, you know, they were kind of hoping I got crushed and didn't do well. And that this wasn't something that was going to be a career that I wanted to make. Um, but yeah, it's kind of funny how, you know, things come full circle. And, uh, obviously now with, gambling not being, you know, kind of the, uh, you know, back room, you know, back alley kind of thing. Um, and it being definitely more uh, supported mainstream uh, that they've come a little bit full circle to that. And they're definitely more supportive and receptive uh, than when I originally moved out here in uh, 2012. Awesome. That's so great. So when, 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 when pops takes you on that, that cross country journey, uh, you guys drove, you just flew out there together or packed all my stuff in the car uh and we uh, we took a three or four day trip uh, across country um and awesome. yeah it was uh, it was kind of an enlightening thing it was certainly something that was cool to do 
um, you know, after college and, you know, being able to pursue your dreams. And, you know, for me, I, I knew through high school and college, I wanted to be in the gambling business, whether it was, you know, on, on either side of the counter, it was just certainly something that interested me. And, um, you know, certainly at the time, uh, Vegas was the place to be. Any other family members chime in or say anything or? No, I think, uh, obviously my mom's, you know, she's, somebody who, who doesn't understand gambling and, and point spreads and probabilities and things like that. And, um, you know, she didn't really have any experience with it. So, you know, obviously her kind of thoughts were, you know, the things that have been seen in movies and things like that. And the, yeah. and the things that maybe aren't necessarily traditional, you know, more traditional. Correct. And aren't, yeah. aren't necessarily a hundred percent accurate. So ultimately once I was out here and kind of able to get, uh, you know, my, my feet under me and, you know, get a job in the industry, I think she uh, certainly felt a lot better about things. All right. Let's talk about that first job as a ticket writer, uh, working at the stations. How was the interview process? Like, what did you, you know, how did it, you know, what made you decide you want to be in the sports book side of things? Um, let's walk us through that for a little bit. Yeah, it was actually funny because I applied to basically every casino around town, um, you know, for a couple of months and I, I didn't hear back from anybody. Um, and it was something where everybody who wanted to hire a ticket writer at that time, you know, they wanted somebody with experience. Um, and obviously, given that I'd never worked in the business before, um, you know, that was certainly something that, you know, ultimately I didn't have at the time. Um, but, you know, out here, you know, a college degree, uh, you know, didn't seem to, to, to serve me uh, overly well at that point. Uh, but I was finally able to get a call back, um, you know, after a couple months. Um, and I went in, I interviewed for the position um, and I was able to get it. Um, you know, I'm 22. You know, I love sports. You know, I, I at that point, I, you know, kind of, I feel like I know everything in the industry, which couldn't have been further from the truth. And, um, you know, they stuck me in the race book, uh, you know, for a year or two. Um, I couldn't even see the sports games, uh, but I just worked hard. Uh, you know, I wrote race tickets. I was doing, you know, 10 cent, uh, you know, supers at Los Sal and, you know, on the quarter races on, on Friday night uh, as a 22 year old, when all I wanted to do was, you know, watch and bet sports. But, uh, worked hard uh, and was able to uh, to ultimately get over to to the sports side writing tickets, um, but that was kind of my first introduction into the business um, when I was 22, and it was certainly eye opening. Uh, but yeah, you know you uh, you know you, you you write tickets, you get to know your guests, you get to kind of know the ins and outs of the business, you know how your shop wants to operate, you know when it comes to you know. Uh, you know, recreational players and, and sharp players and, you know, kind of what the model and approach is um, and being behind the counter and, you know, getting to talk, um, you know, to people on both sides, you certainly get to learn a lot. And, you know, I think that really, uh, you know, sped along my development process um, and kind of everything that I've been able to learn about the industry up to this point. So the stations, let's talk about sports uh, bookmaking at the stations. You know, you wrote your, you, you were at the race book, then you went to the sports book. Um, were there any, you know, did you, you know, how did they treat uh, sharp customers? Was it eye opening at first or did you realize, hey, wait a minute, I can't believe something like this happens? Like, did you ever hear of something that were, you know, walk me through your, your maybe the first time you see somebody get limited or, or somebody asked that we don't want your action? Yeah, I mean, I think obviously, you know, before I even moved out here, you know, you certainly hear things about the industry and, um, you know, being young and naive, you don't necessarily believe them. But then, uh, you know, ultimately, when you get behind the counter and you have kind of 
you know, a, uh, you know, a view of these things happening on a day-to-day basis, it, it can certainly be eye-opening. You know, I just, I remember one story early uh, in my career when I was working in the sports book and, you know, we had a guy who bet a thousand dollar eight team parlay, um, you know, with, with, with some baseball bets. And, uh, you know, he was a customer, uh, who we had, uh, we had gotten from the strip right off of the, you know, at the Aria. Um, and you know, he was a losing better, you know, he was somebody who was probably playing in the pit too. Um, and he ended up hitting this thousand dollar eight team baseball parlay plus a couple of, uh, round robins. And he, uh, he ultimately ended up collecting a quarter of a million dollars, came back, nicest guy, you know, just a guy who wanted to gamble. Um, you know, he, he wasn't price sensitive. Uh, he was a guy who just wanted to fire. Um, and obviously a guy who's been, you know, 18, you know, baseball parlays, um, probably over the long run, uh, he's going to be a pretty good customer for the book, uh, came back, cashed out his tickets, uh, you know, gave us a $4,000 tip, uh, and then was kind of on his way. Uh, and then he returned the next day. Um, and at that point, you know, management had told me that I had to let him know that, you know, we, we couldn't take his action anymore. Uh, and for me, it was just a real head scratcher, you know, a guy who I admittedly, I thought, uh, was going to be, you know, plus EV for the book, um, and who was going to be a good customer, um, based on the variance of one parlay. Um, they ultimately didn't want his action anymore. So, you know, that was kind of the first eye opener for me. Um, and it certainly, uh, you know, wasn't something that sat right with me. Um, and, you know, obviously having to share that news with the customer, you know, he was, uh, you know, certainly upset by that. And, you know, he probably went back to the Aria or another book and, you know, he probably blew a lot of that money back. And, you know, I think it was just kind of a, a short sighted, uh, approach by, you know, stations management at that time. And, you know, I think that was kind of the first start for me in terms of realizing that, you know, if you're a winning better, or even if you're not a winning better, um, you know, you can get limited pretty quick, you can get cut off pretty quick. And there's a lot of businesses, um, and a lot of books, you know, in this town and elsewhere, um, you know, that if they don't want your action, they have the power to, you know, kind of tell you to, to kind of kick rocks at that point. So, certainly eye-opening for me. And, uh, you know, that's really helped shape to, to what I do from a business perspective now and, you know, how mm. I view things in terms of uh, the models within the industry. Beautiful. So, yeah, that, that was a, a, a great story. Um, you know, guy hits a big parlay and you, you give him the boot. Um, any other stories? Because this is just interesting how you, you know, because you've, you know, to be able to work at, you know, you're, you're currently, we're going to talk about your time at Circa, but, you know, I'd love to hear a little bit more about the time at stations on any other eye-opening moments where like, wow, how, how do they, how do they, why are they doing it like this? Why do they operate like this? Um, you know, uh, I remember my runners at, at stations, they were, they were only allowed to visit the counter once a day and you, you only, you had to place your bets. Um, well, you only could go to the counter once they place all your bets so if you just placed the bet and you said, you know what, 10 minutes later, like, oh, no, wait a minute. I want to place another bet. Sorry. You've already used your one trip a day to the counter. Um, did you ever have to uh, uh, enforce that rule or did you hear of that rule? Or Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think this was, you know, when I started probably before, you know, phone apps um, were really, really popular. Um, and I think, you know, stations going the, you know, 
telling people they can only come to the counter once per day. You know, I think that was them trying to pump the brakes um, on writing, you know, what they believe to be non-recreational action, um, you know, maybe stopping steam chasing um, and things like that. And, and for me, I think that was kind of short-sighted. Um, you know, obviously, you know, you start, uh, you tell somebody like yourself, you know, you can have X, Y, and Z. Um, and then the next day it's, you can only come to the counter once a day. Um, and then it's the next day you can't use the app. Uh, and then, you know, the, the next day it's maybe you can't play here anymore. So I think it's just a progression, you know, that they had of, you know, trying to slow down, you know, what they thought were going to be winning betters, um, who weren't going to be good for the book. Um, whereas instead, you know, they, they could have used that information to, to help shape and sharpen their line. Um, but you know, I don't think that was something they were certainly interested in. Um, you know, for me, it obviously writing tickets, um, you know, you'd see somebody come up and, you know, they could bet 20,000, you know, on an NFL game and, you know, somebody else could come up and, you know, they'd get, you know, a fourth of that limit and things like that. So, you know, I think it was kind of frustrating from a consistency perspective in terms of what some people got versus what other people got. Um, obviously they were in their right, you know, to, to enforce those things. Um, you know, but for me, that's not how I would have booked. That's not how I would have run a sports book. So, you know, sitting there and getting to know these players and, and their tendencies and things like that. And, you know, a lot of this stuff being out of my hands and not being able to control it and just kind of basically being the mouthpiece for telling people what they can and can't do and kind of delivering the bad news um, was something I didn't overly enjoy. Um, and when you see somebody come up and, you know, they lay six and a half um, and we go to seven and then you have somebody come up and they want to take, you know, seven for the same limit. Um, and, and they won't, they won't even allow that, you know, to me, it just, it wasn't good bookmaking. It wasn't smart. Um, and like I said, from a, from a player perspective, I, I think it led to a really poor experience at times um, because it, it wasn't the most maybe trans transparent or consistent process. So, you know, for me, obviously, you know, I'm uh, pretty aggressive. I'm not very risk averse. I wanted to take as big of bets as possible and, um, you know, not being able to facilitate that on the front line for people who are, you know, so, you know, obviously some were, were recreational gamblers and some non-recreational gamblers, but, you know, certainly not being able to facilitate a lot of that action, um, you know, was something that, you know, was, uh, you know, not my favorite uh, part of the job for sure. I bet, I bet it was, it, you know, who wants, to, who wants to be the bearer of bad news? Nobody. So, um, all right. I, I, you know, it, it's, it's, it's fascinating how I, I, you've seen it, how, how a business should not be run and it kind of, put you where you're at today before we get into what you're doing today jeff and how you kind of got the call up to, to come to circa let's talk about you know because i know matt mentioned that he met you while you were at the stations uh why don't you talk about the first time you see matt metcalf because he says the greatest things about you when he first met you and how your customer service was second to none so what can you can you elaborate a little bit on that yeah you know i uh you know, really in any business, you know, you never know who you're talking to and you never know who you're going to meet and, and you never know what kind of opportunities that's going to provide for you. You know, obviously Matt's a legend uh, in, in the game and, you know, one of the smartest, brightest people. Um, and, you know, currently, you know, I, I wouldn't work for anybody else. You know, he's just, like I said, he's, he's one of the sharpest and brightest uh, in the business. 
you know, we have the same approach uh, to a lot of different things, whether it's guest service, um, you know, taking big bets uh, or how to run a sports book. But, you know, my, my interactions with him at stations, you know, he would come in, obviously this was during his time when he was a professional better. Um, and, you know, I, I did, I didn't know him from Tom, Dick or Harry, you know, he was just any other guy, but, you know, for me, it was all about giving the best, you know, service, you know, uh, I wanted to give the service that, if I was walking into a sports book that I would get. So, you know, I got to know him. I got to understand that, you know, he was a professional better. And, you know, for me, I wanted to do everything I could to help him get down, you know, whether that was NASCAR matchups and, you know, just the way I counted the money, you know, just servicing him at a high level that his experience, you know, at stations um, was, was a plus. So, you know, he would come to the window, you know, he'd come in every Friday looking for, you know, NASCAR, uh, you know, matchups and odds. I'd have those ready and printed for him, you know, when he was betting Super Bowl props, you know, I'd have, you know, the, the first prop packet ready for him so that he could kind of, you know, attack the numbers. You know, I'd, I'd call back to the hub to try to get him the biggest limit as possible on certain things. You know, it was just kind of going above and beyond, um, you know, for the players. Um, and that was really kind of my interaction with him. Uh, he enjoyed my approach to guest service um, and, and just, you know, the attention to detail that I put um, into my interactions with him. And, you know, we kind of, you know, really, um, you know, connected on that level. Um, and then ultimately when he got the job, um, you know, to go work for Derek, um, you know, I was honored that, uh, you know, he wanted to bring me over and uh, have me help uh, run the book. Let's describe that, that call, you know, getting the call that, you know, cause you've been, where you were currently at the stations when he calls you, right? So, you know, you've been there, you were going to be there for a long time still, you know, probably pushing on seven years ish, maybe six, seven years, whatever it is. I'm not, um, you know, to get that phone call, you know, that that's a big move. Was it a no brainer for you or did you, let me give, give me some time to think about it or how, how did, you know, let, let, let's talk about that a little. No, I, I instantly said yes. You know, for me at that point, I had transitioned from a ticket writer to a line supervisor. I was overseeing, you know, a lot of the front of house operations um, at that point in the supervisor capacity. Um, but for me, you know, being there six or seven years, kind of seeing the things that I had seen um, and having an understanding, you know, the Vegas landscape at that point as well, you know, there wasn't many, if any, uh, shops that were doing what Circus Sports is doing right now, kind of an independent, uh, have the autonomy to make decisions uh, in terms of limits, the way we run the book and things like that. Um, whereas, you know, at the time I got the call, uh, it was a lot of the same, you know, corporate big wig shops um, where, you know, everybody's looking at, you know, a PNL, um, you know, nobody has the ability to make a decision. Um, and so for me, I was just kind of like, you know, I'm just going to work at stations, you know, bet on the side and kind of just, you know, ride into the sunset. Um, but, you know, getting that call um, and being able to work for an independent operator uh, and, and be able to work for a CEO and owner and Derek Stevens, you know, who's a guy who understands gambling, who understands variance who doesn't just look at a PL statement, he allows, you know, Matt and Chris Bennett and Jeff Davis and the guys in the back, you know, to, to make decisions when it comes to big bets and limits um, and really allows us to run the book, um, you know, the way that we want to. Uh, for me, it was a no brainer. Um, and to be able to, you know, be a net positive for the industry, offer something that, uh, you know, maybe a lot of other shops don't, 
um, and be able to work for, you know, a guy in Matt Metcalf, you know, who I have uh, the most respect and admiration for, uh, for me, it was a no brainer at that point. I love it. Awesome. Okay. So you get the call, you say yes, instantly. Um, you know, first new sports book in Las Vegas in a long time. Um, and, and the dreams and aspirations to try to be the best, you know, you got to store it on the ground, right? So how does, um, you know, how, how do you realize that Derek is the mate, the guy that's, that's, is going to be able to support his staff and understand that. Like, when did you realize that? Did Matt have to sell you on that? Did you figure it out on your own? Because Derek, if there's one thing, you know, he, he like you said, he understands variance. He understands, you know, sports betting. That's his thing. Um, very few, you know, owner operators understand that, that what that sports betting is very different than slot machines are very different than table games. So how did you, you know, when did you, did you, you obviously realize that early on, was there a moment that kind of resonates in your mind that you say, Oh yeah, this is when it happened. Oh, wow. Now I understand his vision. I understand what he's all about. Yeah. I mean, I, I certainly quickly realized his vision, uh, in terms of working for him, obviously he's somebody, you know, who's gambled. Uh, you know, since the time he got out here, uh, you know, he's kind of more of that old school, uh, you know, guy, you know, when you think about, you know, the, the Benny Binions and the Jackie Gons and the things like, you know, the guys like that, you know, who really pioneered the industry, um, you know, so being able to work for him um, in more of a, you know, an old school, uh, you know, style, um, you know, like I said, he, he's a guy who, who understands the business through and through. Uh, you know, he is okay with variance. Um, he understands having decisions on a game. Um, and I think he really, you know, understands the way, you know, Matt and, and Chris and Jeff and, you know, I want to run things, um, you know, from that perspective and, you know, having an, a CEO and owner um, who's able to get on the same page, you know, as, you know, the guys running the book. Um, it was just kind of a, a definite marriage in, in that sense. Um, and be able be, you know, working for him three plus years now, uh, it's been the best time of my life. Like I said, you know, getting to work for him and Mike Palm and, um, you know, everybody here at Circus Sports, uh, you know, like I said, just uh, a, a great decision that I made in terms of moving over there. Uh, and really, really happy uh, with where I'm at now. And uh, obviously with what's going on in the industry, which we'll certainly touch on later, um, you know, just trying to do our part and you know to serve the market uh, and kind of carve out our own niche beautiful all right let's talk about let, break break it down the day uh, uh you know a, a typical day in in the life of a sportsbook operations manager you know what does that entail what does that involve you know you get to work what's what, you know let's just talk about a typical day yeah absolutely you know i uh basically my uh title and my role uh, is really overseeing the front of house operations at, at Circa Sports. Um, you know, I oversee all of our ticket writers, all of our line supervisors, you know, our, our, our assistant operations managers, basically just trying to make sure that the experience of, you know, all of our guests and all of our players uh, is A+. Plus. Um, you know, so run, running the day-to-day -day operations of our five Nevada properties, you know, whether that's the D, the Golden Gate, the Tuscany, the Pass, uh, or the world's largest uh, three-story sports book at Circa, uh, you know, kind of overseeing, um, you know, the customer service side of things, um, you know, when it pertains to the Nevada app um, or the Colorado or Iowa app. Um, obviously, um, I'll certainly be 
very involved in our Illinois launch uh, later in quarter four this year. Um, but basically just kind of overseeing the business uh, and the day-to-day operations uh, on the front line. Um, you know, I definitely help the guys in the back a little bit with some injury and information stuff, um, you know, some golf stuff, you know, helping a little bit, uh, you know, Jeff Davis with that. Um, and then, you know, helping Chris Bennett with uh, some NFL props, whether it's draft props, uh, game props, Super Bowl props, things like that. Um, but really being able to channel, you know, the great stuff that, you know, Matt and Chris and Jeff and Glenn are doing back there, um, you know, to players on the front um, is, you know, a lot of the things that I do on a day-to-day basis, you know, a guy like yourself walks in and you come to the counter and you want to ask, you know, what you can get on each market, um, you know, having the understanding of what those guys are doing back of house uh, and being able to translate that, you know, front of house. Um, I think it's just, uh, you know, makes for a better experience for the player. Um, and I would say, you know, that's kind of a lot of what I do on a day-to-day basis. Um, obviously, you know, running the contest, um, you know, things like that, you know, doing some media here and there. Uh, but, you know, I would say I'm kind of a jack of all trades. But for me, you know, guest, the guest experience, guest service, customer service component of things, um, you know, whether you're a $5 better or a $50,000 better, um, are some of the things that I focus on a day-to-day basis and, you know, making sure all of our players, uh, have the best experience possible, um, and have access to management, um, can reach out and, you know, get their questions answered, um, which is, you know, kind of, I would say, you know, rather tough in, in today's world, you know, whether it's sports betting or any business, um, I would say those are a lot of the things I focus on, um, you know, I, I, I think it's, you know, it's, you know, just in my experience with you alone, Jeff is incredible. You've always been very, you answer any questions I have. You've always helped me out if I need a reservation or if I need this or that, you're, you're always, you know, made the right connections if I needed to talk to somebody. So, um, you know, just in my, in my personal experience, um, you, you go above and beyond. And I think that, um, I think that you, you said a good thing, like, you know, it's hard to find, you know, somebody that actually cares about every customer and um, whether sharp or square or $5, $50,000, you get, you treat everybody with respect. Um, that That's huge. You know, not, not everybody treats the sharps with respect. Um, matter of fact, that they, they, they do the opposite. They just kick them in the ass and say, get out of here. We don't want you. Um, when you realize, you know, when you saw that that was a circle way to do things, um, how did, you know, how did that make you feel? Because again, for six years or seven years, you had to be the bearer of bad news. Um, and you kind of, you don't have to do that anymore. How, how relieving was that, that you actually, um, can, can, can stand behind a product that you believe in? Yeah. I mean, for me, it's everything, you know, whether you're betting $5 or 50,000, um, you know, if I see somebody, I think, you know, make, you know, they, they, uh, you know, they send five, uh, $5 bets in NASCAR and, you know, four of them, you know, are on the weekly race and one of them's on, you know, the cup championship, you know, I'll, I'll shoot the guy a text and say, you know, was that fifth bet? Was it supposed to be for this week's race or was it supposed to be for the cup championship? You know, I think when you, when you look at, you know, a guy like Rufus, you know, we had incorrectly set, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we had set a golf matchup. It was the bannered limit and the app was two dimes. Um, and when he went to bet it, you know, he could only bet a thousand dollars, you know, we had incorrectly set the tier on the back end, you know, and this was at midnight. Um, you know, I, uh, 
I shot him a message and asked, you know, did, did you want a dime on that? Or did you want two dimes on that? You know, for, for us, you know, we try to, to put ourselves in a position, you know, of a guy like Rufus, a $5 better you, whoever it may be. Um, and we try to give people the experience um, that we would want if we went into a book. And, you know, obviously you can speak to this, um, you know, pretty darn well, but you know, when you walk into a lot of books today, you're told X and you get Y um, or you're told nothing and you, you know, you have to kind of figure it out on your own. And, you know, I think both experiences, um, you know, aren't great for the consumer. Um, and just being able to be transparent, you know, be organic, be honest, be who we are, um, and provide, you know, what we think is a great experience for the player. Um, you know, those are the things that we put a huge effort, uh, and, and emphasis on, um, and to be able to, you know, openly communicate with a guy like you, a guy like Rufus, you know, any professional better in the industry, um, and to tell you what you're going to get on every single market at any time of the day. Um, and for you guys to know that your liquidity, uh, is going to be on, on, on these positions is going to be filled with what we told you. Um, there's not going to be any funny business, uh, and that, you know, better, better yet, you're going to be able to come back tomorrow, um, and get the same liquidity, uh, if not higher. Um, you know, I think that's, uh, you know, a really refreshing thing, um, you know, for a lot of people in the industry and, um, you know, obviously, you know, there's people, you know, these Euro sympathizers who come out and say that gambling Twitter is just kind of an echo chamber, um, and that, you know, nobody's really limited and this isn't a big problem, but, you know, I couldn't disagree more and, you know, being able to serve both a recreational and non-recreational uh, clientele base um, and give them, you know, sports betting the way it should be. Um, you know, that's something, like I said, that I'm very passionate about. Yeah. Your passion really shows, um, you know, I love your fire, particularly, you know, on your Twitter, um, Jeff, you, you're very you know outspoken, I think is the understatement of the year. Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I, at one point I thought, I, you know, I, I just, you know, told it like it was, but, um, you know, you, you've had some classics, I mean, I'm just looking at it right now. FanDuel puts out, describe your betting career in three words or less. And uh, your response was, I was limited. <laughs> so I, I love it, dude. Um, you, uh, you just pull no punches, man. Um, how, you know, let's describe that. You know what I mean? Like, is there like, you know, you're obviously, you know, passionate about customer service you've seen you've actually had to deliver the messages that you didn't want to deliver for six seven years so you you know it's like the the the, the floodgates kind of open and now you could just like liberating for yourself and you're just letting it all out there and rightfully so i think that i appreciate you standing up and there, i think there's a right way to do business and a wrong way to do business and i 100 percent agree with you guys that you guys are doing it the right way and for guys treating um customers as if you know they're not even humans it's it's, it's it's unbelievable how how um some people are just treated in this business um how, how you know describe that like what what got you to that level how 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 fired up are you about this yeah i mean i think obviously you know some of the things i'm opining opining for um are as a better um and then obviously some of the things i'm opining for are coming from you know, an operator standpoint, but, you know, to be an operator in the space um, and to be saying the things that I'm saying, uh, which no other operator is doing, um, you know, that to me speaks volumes about where the industry is 
um, and where it's headed. You know, there's not a lot of independent shops um, that are employing, you know, the penny model, the circa model, you know, the low hold high volume uh, model and approach, you know, that we've taken to things in which we cater to both recreational and non-recreational customers. Um, you know, I think obviously, you know, the debate rages on, you know, about, you know, the soft book model versus the sharp book model. Um, but yeah, it, you know, for me, it's something that I'm particularly passionate about. You know, I, I think people say, you know, they use a blanket statement of saying, you know, the, the, the industry is in a much better place today, you know, because we have, you know, a hundred different places to bet at. And, you know, that may be true on the surface, but, you know, for me, I look at it like you now have a hundred places you can be limited at, limited at, you know, as opposed to just, you know, 10, you know, five years ago. So, you know, for me, uh, ultimately I'd love to see more circus sports type shops, um, and see more of that approach in the industry. You know, I think competition breeds innovation. Um, you know, I think, uh, there's a lot more people that are limited uh, than a lot of these shops would, would lead on. Um, and I think being able to, you know, have more outlets that people can actually bet at and win at and continue to bet at, you know, is certainly something that I'd like to see in the future. You know, when, when you walk into a, you walk into a shop and you want to bet, you know, a, a nickel on an NFL draft prop, uh, and they look at you like, you know, you got a, you got a ski mask on and a sawed off shotgun in your hand and you're ready to rob the place. Uh, you know, to, to me, I wouldn't say the industry is really in a better place. Um, you know, obviously some may argue with me. Um, but when you look at, you know, what, what the EV on that bet is, you know, whether it's five or 10%, you know, you're looking at, you know, 25 or $50 in EV over the long, over the long run. It just, you know, the, these, these places, you know, just think, you know, you're stealing, you know, based on, you know, one, two, three bets. And it's just, it's just such a frustrating experience. Um, you know, to me, it's, it's, it's so un-American and it's just so difficult to watch. And, you know, obviously, you know, you've had that experience a lot of times where you've walked into a shop, um, you've gone up to the manager, you've been point blank about who you were, what you were going to do and ask the limits. And, you know, obviously anybody who looks at your Twitter and looks at the follow-up videos, um, you know, what you're told today is vastly different than what you're told tomorrow. And, <laughs> you know, for a guy who's trying to make a profession, you know, who, who's trying to make a living and, you know, feed your family, um, you know, I, I'd like to think that sports betting in America is a transparent uh, two-way marketplace that's, you know, fair for all people. Um, and obviously, you know, we, we both know that's uh, certainly not the case. Well said, my friend. What do you say to the skeptics that's, that, that will say you can't win um, as an operator with the sharp model? It's a fantastic question. I'm really glad you asked me. Um, you know, you, you had a, you know, a very poignant tweet, uh, you know, a couple months ago in which you said, you know, the industry uh, is inundated with bookmakers who are obsessed with holding 5% on a million dollars versus 3% on $5 million. Um, and I don't think anything, you know, could be, you know, more accurate in, in, in today's industry. Um, you know, a lot of these shops um, are very risk averse. Uh, they're very reticent uh, to write business. 
Um, you know, and, and whether you're in the phone business uh, or, or the Apple business uh, or whatever business, you know, if, if you're not selling phones, you're not selling apples or you're not writing bets, you can't make money. Um, and whether you're holding 3% like we are, or whether you're holding, you know, 5% or 7% or 9%, all of those percentages would be classified as, as low holds. Um, and in a low hold business, volume's your best friend. Um, you know, and if you're not doing everything in your power to incentivize writing bets, you know, to me, you're just not going to make money. And, you know, for us, we employ, you know, kind of the, the, the old school pinnacle model, the low hold high volume approach, you know, we're, we're looking to take every bet that we possibly can, you know, and, and, and make up for the low hold part with a high volume. Um, and when you run that model, you know, you can have both recreational and non-recreational action. Um, and using the tiered limits that we do, you know, opening, you know, NFL, you know, games for the next week at 5k, you know, bumping to 10k, you know, on, on Monday and, you know, being at, you know, 30k by Wednesday, and then being at 100k day of, you know, you're able to utilize, you know, sharp action and good information, you know, throughout that process, you know, to, to help shape your number. So that by the time you know, you get to the highest limit, you feel comfortable booking both sides, you're in a small narrow range. Um, and, and you feel comfortable taking these big bets you know, from, from, from on either side, you know, because of the opinions you got that led up to that point, you know, in a, in a price discovery exercise, you know, obviously the range of numbers that you're going to move at earlier in the week is going to be wider, um, you know, than, than the efficiency, uh, and, and the numbers close to post. Um, but I think that most places by kicking out and limiting, you know, these winning betters, um, and these people who have information, um, you know, they go into, you know, an hour before post and they have no clue, you know, what side they want to need, um, you know, because, you know, they don't have an opinion on the game to begin with, uh, but then they didn't utilize any of the sharp information uh, or bets, you know, leading up to that point to help them get to where they needed to be. And, you know, when you guys, you know, when you're paying guys $15 an hour to to, to sit and watch the screen and, and move off certain books um, and not have an opinion, you know, uh, you know thinking's difficult in this industry per se. It's funny because Scotty Shetler, who ran the Stardust, you know, would always, it's like, it's, 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 it's 40 years ago, right? But he would say, you know, just, to, just, just write the business, write the bet, move the number. And, and, and it's the easy, it sounds like the most easiest principle um, and, and, it, and it just holds true. Even to this day, you guys write a bet and move a number and that's it. You know, there, there's no kicking anybody out. There's no, you know what I mean? You have your posted limits. Everybody knows what the limits are. And yet um, everyone says, no, this is not the right way to do business. Um, and, and you can't compare doing business um, in the 80s than what you can today because of, of, of the technology and the apps and the customer having information. Um, but you guys are holding 3% on a ton of volume. So, you know, you, you kind of shoot the skeptics down and say, yes, you can. It's still the same principle. The underlying principle is still the same. Um, why don't people believe you guys? Why don't, why can't, why aren't others buying into that model? 
I know you say you wish it could happen, but why is it not happening, Jeff? Yeah, I mean, I think obviously when you look at the industry, um, you know, when you got guys like, you know, Jason Robbins, um, who quite frankly shouldn't, you know, do another PR stint, you know, in his lifetime, um, saying, you know, we don't want winners. Um, and you got guys like Dave Portnoy um, comparing, you know, educated sports betting uh, is akin to card counting. You know, I think when you have guys like that who are speaking at the forefront of the industry um, and saying this is how sports betting should be, um, I think you have a lot of places and a lot of people that just, you know, buy into those concepts um, without understanding, you know, what sharp action can do for your business um, and how it can help you. Um, you know, it's certainly not maybe the low hanging fruit or the easiest business model to run. Um, but I certainly believe it to be the most profitable in the long run. Um, and then I think there's also kind of maybe a, a, an under talked about point um, just in terms of the fairness uh, and, you know, the equality of what you're doing. And, you know, for us being transparent, being, you know, organic, being honest and being able to provide a, you know, a, a, a marketplace that welcomes all. Um, I, I think it's just such an underutilized and underserved thing within the industry at the current moment, uh, given how most shops just want to, you know, toss players out um, you know, left and right. Um, and I think, you know, also when you, when you're talking about, you know, this model, I think a lot of places, um, you know, when they, when they're throwing people out, they're not charting bets, you know, they're, these are all just algorithms and, and things of that nature. And they don't have anybody high level in, in, in these trading rooms that can understand and make decisions at a high enough level. Um, you know, they see Joe Schmo walk in and, you know, get, uh, you know, get 2% of CLV on his first four bets. And, you know, they kick him out when they don't, understand whether Joe Smith is, is going to be a net positive or a net negative for the book, you know, because four bets isn't a large enough sample size, number one. And, you know, number two, they, they just, they, they don't understand at that point, whether he's going to be a winning player or not. And even if he is going to be a winning player, you know, they just, they don't want to ultimately utilize his information to help, you know, shape and sharpen their line. And, you know, obviously, as you've talked about many a times, and particularly at Bet Bash, you know, if you're not, you know, if you're not taking a fair bet, you know, to, to the things on your board, you know, you're going to get dummied, you're going to get the fake stuff. And, you know, ultimately, you're going to go into the game, not knowing, you know, what side you need. And, you know, from a bookmaking and odds making perspective, um, you know, getting rid of these players certainly, you know, doesn't help that approach, in my opinion. I think you hit you hit the nail on the head that last thing when you said that uh the, 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 there's no high level talent. I think there's a lack of talent in the business, or there's a lack of the desire to invest in talent. And um, you know, let's face it, uh, sports books as good as their bookmakers, um, and you guys have some of the world's best. Um, and I say that clearly because I look at your lines, I see how you guys move, and um, and I don't impress easily, and I'm very impressed with how you guys operate. I see you know, exactly what you guys are doing. And I, I love it. I, I, you guys know what you're doing. Um, and, and that, that, you know, that doesn't exist across the industry. So I think that uh, a lack of talent is definitely on the forefront. You mentioned Portnoy, you know, it's amazing because recently he told some, you know, some guy who was just shopping around trying to get information, trying to get a number. 
And he just said, F that guy. And I, you know, I want to kind of keep this PG rated, but F that guy, um, you know, as a customer service person, um, you trying to make the customer happy. Is there ever a time like, you know, maybe, you know, if the guy, if you have a game up and, and it's, it's minutes afterwards and you forget to take it down and he bets it, okay, it's an obvious, like, okay, you know, but my God, the guy is doing his research. God forbid um, he tries to try to find information and try to, to try to make an educated bet, you know, or now is, is that the case where we're just going to say F that guy? If somebody, what do you expect? People to just start betting randomly on who their favorite teams are. And that's that, like, you know, God forbid, we nobody makes an educated bet. And if they do just F them, like, what do you say to that, Jeff? Yeah, I mean, I guess to touch on your first point, you know, maybe if you didn't spend, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars per quarter, you know, on marketing or paying guys like Jamie Foxx um, or Ben Affleck, that maybe you could focus a little bit more of uh, your marketing spend on investing in traders, but that's none of my business. But anyway, uh, when, when it comes to, you know, the Portnoy situation, you know, I, I think that's kind of the attitude and approach that a lot of places take. You know, a, a guy like you beats beats a, a sports book to a number uh, or has, you know, information um, on something. Um, and that's really the response from the industry. It's, you know, we don't want this guy's bets anymore. You know, we're going to artificially uh, move the price and, and chop the limit before taking the bet. And I think there's just so many unscrupulous practices, um, you know, that, that go on in the industry. Um, and, you know, when you have places that aren't like circus sports um, and that treat people like this, you know, this is the experience that the player has. And, um, you know, before I touch on one of my NFL draft experiences, you know, for me, you know, one of the things that I'm particularly passionate about is, you know, answering every phone call, ever, answering every email, answering every DM, you know, making myself available, you know, 16, 17, 18 hours a day to answer people's questions, you know, um, I, I think, you know, when, when you look at sports books, um, and you look at their limits, you have to have fair and reasonable limits to incentivize guys like yourself in, in terms of the information that you're going to give us and what we're going to pay you for it. Um, you know, if you have $25 limits, you know, that isn't going, you know, professional betters, semi-professional betters, whatever it may be, they're not that, that, it, you know, that limit is not worth it for them to bet at that sports book. Um, you know, from a time and monetary perspective, you know, and for us, uh, you know, to get your information, you know, we have to put fair limits on the board um, to, to incentivize you for your time, um, and the bets that you're giving us and the bets that you're giving us, then we're able to utilize that information to help shape our line, um, and to go into the game, knowing which side we want to need. Um, and I think that's, you know, really ultimately how it should be. Um, and for me, I have a ton of people reach out at all times, you know, they're asking, what's the liquidity I can get on this market? What's, you know, what can I get on this market? Are you willing to take more on, you know, X, Y, and Z? And, you know, being able to, to be transparent and offer, you know, people that information 
Um, you know, I, I think it goes a long way when people are trading and doing this professionally to understand what they can get at all times um, and know that, you know, that's always what they're going to get and that they're not going to come back the next day and, you know, see something that's reduced or less or that they're not even going to be able to bet at all. So, you know, that's really the experience that we're trying to provide. And, you know, for me, uh, you know, this was something I tweeted a couple of weeks ago for the NFL draft. Um, you know, I, I went to, to make a bet in town, you know, on something that ultimately ended up being a loser and something that, you know, at the time I thought was a good bet. And it really, in, in hindsight, it didn't get, it didn't have a lot of CLV and was very neutral at best, but, um, you know, I wanted to bet, you know, uh, Kayvon Thibodeau under four and a half, um, you know, minus 148. Um, the market was kind of like in the $2 range at that point. And, I knew when we were going up the next day, we were, uh, you know, me and CB's number was, you know, three and a half with a variation of juice. So I, uh, I walked to the counter, I tell him I want about a, you know, 1480 to win a dime. Um, and you know, getting it even into the bet slip, you know, took five minutes, you know, that was, that was its, its own first hurdle, but, uh, ultimately it gets sent to the traders. Um, and then, uh, the bet gets rejected, you know, they move on air 12 cents. They say now the price is, you know, minus 160. you know, the, the supervisor who's standing there says, yeah, we just took another bet. He never even picked up the phone. You know, if you're going to pull the wool over my eyes, you know, at least put in some kind of effort. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's 930 on a Tuesday morning on Fremont street. You know, I, I know you didn't take another bet. You're, you're just moving, you know, because I, I sent the bet, but needless to say, you know, it's minus 160. That was the best price in the market that I had access to at that current moment. I said, you know, I'll, I'll take the bet. They, they chopped the lemon in half to, to 800 to win a nickel. So sent the bet. I finally get the, the, the nickel. And then I'm standing there, I'm, you know, pulling the, the, the money out of my pocket. I, I, I pay the girl uh, for the bet. And I just ask a simple question two or three minutes later. I said, you know, did the, did the price move on the prop just, just by chance? Um, and if so, could you tell me what the new price is? Uh, and she says, uh, she and the supervisor, you know, after three minutes say the price is, is still the same, sir. Uh, they haven't changed it. Obviously, I said, you know, if you're not going to change the price, I will certainly bet it again. Um, and so, you know, they send it back. Uh, they reject it. Uh, they say you can bet it to win 300. It was still the best price I, I had access to currently. So I say I'll take it to win 300. And then she hands me a ticket. And, you know, now it's minus 175 on the ticket, which, you know, I, I was obviously getting very frustrated at that point. And, um, you know, it just all comes back to the experience for the player in today's market with these non-transparent operators. It just quite frankly sucks. Um, I had her avoid the ticket. Um, you know, I, I took the, the one bet I was able to make uh, and went across the street um, to bet it at the next place um, at minus 165. Uh, and just casually, I just I opened my app and I wanted just to check to, to see, you know, the price of where they were at. Um, at the shop I had just bet it at, and you know, not even three minutes later, they were at minus two dollars. So, in essence, I walk in, I ask for a certain limit, they air move me 12 cents, they chop my limit in half, I don't get the second bet. Um, and all within a span of 10 minutes, they've now utilized my information, um, not in the most uh, transparent um, and honest way, in my opinion. Um, and I've got them to where they need to be. 
um, by moving 52 cents. Um, and it, you know, to your point, it just sports books don't have to watch the screen. They don't have to do the work. They don't have to, to, to put high level people back there because they just have people send bets, um, or, or they're just copying, um, and, and they utilize these betters, uh, without paying them, um, to get them to where they need to be. And, you know, I think it's a far too common practice in the industry that's overutilized by, you know, quite frankly, a lot of these shitty operators. And, you know, for me, um, you know, as somebody who bets and somebody who's in the industry, I'm just trying to be a net positive. Uh, obviously I'm very outspoken on, uh, on a number of different topics. You know, I'm sure a lot of other sports books don't like me and, you know, quite frankly, that doesn't bother me. I don't, I don't really care for me. I'm looking for a healthier ecosystem um, and a better environment and experience for the player. Um, and in the current, um, you know, in the current industry, uh, I think that's still a struggle. Wow. What a great story. It's, it's, it's a great story to hear. It's, it was cringeworthy, uh, you know, how, how you got treated. Um, uh, you know, it's, it's just disgusting, but I'm glad you share that story. Um, you know, and uh, we don't even need to mention books if you don't want to. I don't, I don't blame you for it. Um, but it, it, it sucks that, that this is how it is, um, uh, how the, the ecosystem is and, and how people are being treated. What a shame, man. It just, it never ends, it seems. These are the type of pieces of shit that you got to, you know, you, 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 you know, we send somebody in there that's sharp and you have them moving on there, moving on there, and then you have a, a whale that's profiled to bet 50,000 on everything, and then you have the whale bet 50,000 on the opposite side, and then you shove it right up the rest. This pieces of shit. I, you know, I think with where the industry is at right now, and it's certainly something that I've talked about, you know, ad nauseum, you know, the the bookie better relationship doesn't have to be adversarial. Mm. Um, you know, we, we have guys, you know, taking us to, 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 you know, to school every day, you know, there's guys who are going to be winning betters in this industry. And when you open your doors, you have to understand and accept that there's also going to be people who, who are losing betters. We understand that, you know, it's a, it, it's a marketplace. You're going to have winners and you're going to have losers and the relationship between bookie and better, whether you're recreational or non-recreational, whether you're winning or losing, doesn't have to be adversarial. You know, some of my best relationships uh, with our surface sports customers are people who are winning betters, you know, and, and, and that's okay. I, we pay them with a handshake and a smile. We thank them for their business and we appreciate their business. And I'm not just saying that as lip service. I really mean that. Yeah. When, when, you know, when, when we opened our doors and we applied for our license, the goal was to take bets. And that's what we intend to do. And like I said, having relationships with both winning and losing bettors and making sure that those relationships aren't adversarial and that you're doing everything in your power to make it an A plus experience for guys like yourself or guys or, or, you know, whales that, you know, that's what I signed up for. And, you know, I, I think, you know, I think as, as Matt said, said it best, you know, the going rate for a guy like yourself to talk positively about Circa Sports is the limits that we give you. And, you know, I'm sure you're up a fair amount. Um, but yeah, for, for, for us, you know, I would say that's the going rate, you know, the limits that we're offering to both professional and non-professional players, um, 
you know, for, for, for us, you know, incentivizing, um, you know, our players for their time and information, uh, something that we feel is very important um, and making sure that, you know, the relationships we have with anybody who walks uh, into circus sports, uh, whether they're doing this for a living or whether they're doing this for entertainment, um, you know, is something that's really, really important. And, you know, obviously, you know, most places, um, you know, look at non-recreational betters as criminal um, and look at guys like yourself who are just trying to feed your family, um, you know, as you know, what you're doing um, as unethical and criminal and this and that. And, you know, I think for us here at Circus Sports, we're trying to change that stigma. And, you know, it starts at the top with Matt, you know, he was a guy who cut his teeth and, you know, bet professionally for 10 years. And, you know, being able to have somebody like that behind the counter uh, who puts, you know, himself in the shoes of all betters. Um, you know, for us, that's what we feel is uh, really, really important. Well, very well said, Jeff. Um, it's, 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 you hit the nail on the head again um, with respect to, you know, I think in the soft book model where you have to beat every customer, whereas, um, and, and where, where the short book model is, it's okay if you lose to some customers. The, bottom, the most important thing, though, is to just make the most money, right? You know what I mean? That's what it comes down to. If you're making money, who cares? If You, you know, you, you, you want to try to make as much money as possible. And like you said, if you're holding less on a lot more volume, who cares if some people are winning? Um, that's how you're getting there. Um, and, and, and that's how you're getting your numbers sharp. And that's how you're able to, to kind of um, um, promote enough action, to promote enough volume to be able to make it um, a, a sustainable and a profitable business. So, uh, very well said. Before we end, I want to I want to talk about the contest a little bit. You know, you guys are are, are you know you kind of shook the contest world up um, when you guys went vig free on a contest. Superbook was of course charging the vig pretty much everywhere. Anybody that uh, was running the contest charged the vig. You guys come on the scene, no vig. Well, you know, shook it up, made the super book, then of course go to no vig to, to, to remain competitive. How does that, you know, how is the contest? What goes into that? Um, you know, talk to me about it. Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously the contests are kind of Derek's uh, babies. You know, we put a lot of time, effort, and energy into the contest um, and making sure that, you know, they're a great experience for our players. Um, being able to offer contests with massive guarantees um, and no rake, um, you know, I think that really fits, you know, our model, what we believe in and what we're doing. Um, you know, I've spent a, a tremendous amount of time with him over the last couple months uh, working um, on, you know, things with the rest of our team for the, the contest rollout. We're going to start contest signups this week. Uh, we're really, really excited about that. Um, obviously, uh, we're going to have large guarantees in both the Circa Survivor and the Circa Millions. Uh, we have a, a definitely, uh, it's going to be bigger and better than last year. Uh, you know, we have a fun uh, couple of uh, wrinkles and tricks up our sleeve this year uh, in terms of some game theory stuff um, that uh, we think people will really enjoy. But, you know, for us, um, offering the contest is kind of our way of giving back, especially with the no rate component, being able to get people down here, you know, to see uh, the world's largest three-story sports book, to see the legacy club, uh, to see stadium swim, to see the great venues uh, of our downtown properties, the D, uh, the Golden Gate and Circa, you know, that's uh, really a large part of it. Um, and it certainly helps, uh, you know, to get people uh, involved with what we're doing here at Circa Sports 
uh, from the sports betting side of it as well. So certainly excited uh, for what we think is going to be a fantastic football season. Uh, really excited uh, for the response uh, from, you know, gambling Twitter and the sports betting community as we roll this year's contests uh, and the details out. Um, and like I said, yeah, it's just kind of an extension of our circus sports uh, betting brand. Um, and to be able to, to be big players uh, in the contest space um, and, you know, to, uh, to offer what we think uh, is the best contest uh, product uh, bar none. Uh, it's certainly something we're really, really excited about. And uh, obviously this is our fourth year of doing it. Um, and we hope, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, you know, the, uh, the industry really appreciates it. Oh, it's a hundred percent. It's beautiful. It, it makes it exciting for everybody. And uh, for you guys, like you said, to, to, to not charge um, any rakes, uh, any VIG on a contest is, 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 is very admirable. And, um, and uh, you kind of change the business. So kudos to you guys for doing that. And, um, and yes, you know what I mean? If anybody hasn't gone down to the circuit and checked it out, you know, we had bet bash at the circuit and D it was incredible. So I urge anybody to go check it out. It's, 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 it's a sight to be seen for sure. And, um, and Jeff, you are the king of customer service. You're incredible at what you do. Got nothing but respect for you, my man. Jeff, my last question before we close, name of the podcast, Be Better Betters. Um, you be in the game for 10 years. You've seen how it is um, on both sides of the counter and seeing how it is as a, as a soft book, uh, uh, working for a soft model and working for a, a sharp model. Um, what advice can you give people uh, out there, aspiring pros, wannabe pros, guys that maybe want to lose a little less? What can you give them to Be Better Betters? Yeah, I would say, you know, kind of, you know, I got maybe two or three things for you, you know, certainly respect the market. Um, you know, the, the market, you know, particularly the major markets are going to be massively efficient. Um, you know, being able to respect the market uh, when it comes to, you know, make, making numbers um, and finding edges, uh, I would say is certainly something that's important. Um, bankroll management. Um, is something that's probably not talked about enough in the industry. Um, I, I think for new bettors, um, probably flat betting is definitely something that's a good uh, first starting point uh, before you're ultimately able to understand your edge uh, in each market. Uh, I think when you're first starting off, uh, it's probably um, a stretch to say that you're able to uh, understand exactly what your edge in each market that you're betting in. Uh, so flat betting is probably, uh, you know, a better approach to start with uh, until you've kind of seen your results, um, you know, over a larger body of work. Um, and then, you know, I would say the last thing and something uh, that's probably the most important within the industry uh, is, you know, CLV and line shopping, uh, being able to have as many outs as possible, uh, even if you're going to get limited at them um, and, and just shop the best um, numbers so that you can reduce your synthetic hold um, on a lot of these different markets that you're betting into, you know, whether you're using an odd screen, you know, Don best, you know, unabated bet stamp, things like that. Also um, spank, uh, sort of interrupt spank odds coming soon, by the way. Correct. Uh, once, uh, once that comes out, that'll be added uh, into every gambler's uh, portfolio as well. Um, like I said, being able to shop uh, lines uh, and get the best number, um, on anything that you're betting uh, is going to 
help you from a CLV perspective, or uh, you know, a profitability and percentage perspective um, over the lifetime of your bets. Um, and you know, I, I additionally, you know, charting and tracking your bets, you know, figuring out what sports you know you're doing well in, what sports you're not doing well in, um, and you know, figuring out you know how to get better. Um, on some of the leaks in your game, you know, I would say your career or career for the things uh, that can certainly help you to be better, better. Jeff, you're the man. I love the sir. Whenever I think of the circle model, I think of the grande model, uh, grande, no nonsense. Uh, the menu isn't as big as everybody else because you're not going to hang shit up unless you're taking a nickel or a dime minimum. Um, and, uh, but the stuff that you're going to, that you're going to hang up, you're going to take a good pop on a, a respectable pop and, um, and you're going to take on everybody. And the late great skip, a good friend of mine, uh, passed away, um, you know, last year, but, um, uh, he, that, that was, you know, thing. And I, I think of how, whenever I think of the Circa model, I always compare you guys to Grande and, um, and I have nothing but respect that, that that's the, a very big compliment. Um, um, if you know anything about Grande. So, um, Jeff, thank you so much for coming on. You're the man, um, keep up the great work with, the, with, with everything you're doing with Circa. Good luck with the contests. And, um, uh, next time I'm in town, brother, I'd love to be able to grab a meal or grab a drink with you, my friend. Thanks for having me on, Spanky. Uh, appreciate you uh, giving me the platform, uh, obviously, to talk about the industry and all things circus sports. And uh, look forward to catching up with you next time you're out here in Vegas. Thanks so much for the time. Until next time.